Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. This is episode 37. As always, my name is Ben Jackson, and I'll be your host. And once again, I am joined by our very own experts, Scott and Joris. Scott and Joris, how are you guys doing this evening? I think I've just about got my breath back. How about you guys? Same here, not only because of the football, but also because of some uh, biking activities that I did last weekend. I'm finally recovered. (laughs) (laughs) Very on-brand, very on-brand. The Belgian is the one that's doing the cycling. Well, guys, what a weekend, what a weekend. And all of you who thought you were going to get through a podcast without hearing reference to the Super League, I'm sorry to disappoint you. But who needs a Super League when you already have the Pro League? Sunday, we had obviously some absolute swings with all the games taking place at the same time, the table was changing in real time, which is really exciting. There's only one place to start, isn't there, guys? It's at the bottom of the table. I think usually we'll just give you the results, but I kind of want to talk through this and how it happened fashion uh, for those of you that didn't weren't watching or didn't like follow along in real time. So obviously Muscron went into their game with Club Rouge knowing they just needed a point. But again, they were also playing Club Rouge, the champions, so no mean feat there at all to try and get a point away from home. By halftime, they were on course to stay up. They were drawing nil-nil. I would argue they were actually the better team, despite Club Rouge having most of the ball. Muscon did really fashion some chances. Uh, Tabako was really, really good on the wing. His finishing kind of final will just let him down. Bruges did have a goal ruled out by VAR from Baz Dost. So yeah, that was nil-nil at half time, which meant that over in Leuven, Faz and Beveren, obviously they knew they needed to win, but even if they did win and Muscron got a point, they would be going down. Uh, they were winning at halftime. Verstata had put them ahead. However, two minutes into the second half, Sieb Slivers uh, got it back to 1-1 for the host. And once again, Beveren came out of halftime and conceded a crucial goal, which has become like a pattern for them over these last couple of weeks. Uh, so that's definitely a concern for the manager, Nicky Hayen. Over in Bruges, it got even worse for Beveren because Muscon had got a deserved lead. Absolutely fantastic header from Habawi. And Muscon were looking set to stay up. They only needed to point. They had three. They got themselves a little bit of a cushion. Over four minutes later, a corner came in. Charles de Ketelaar at the back post put Bruges level. And 10 minutes later, club were ahead. Van Aken, again, from another corner, had put them 2-1 up. And if it couldn't get any worse for Muscon at that moment, a couple of minutes later over in Leuven, Beveren once again took the lead. And it was their own man scoring a fantastic header in Verstata. Really, really good diving header. He almost kind of like had to lean back and head it back across himself. It was a fantastic finish from him, his second of the game. So now Beveren was staying up and Muscron were going down. Muscron desperately needed another goal. And even though they were losing to the champions elect they just kept fighting I thought this was their best performance of the season they'd kind of saved it up for this game and it was a veteran Matthias Sylvester who pounced on some really poor defending from Club Rouge who have actually been defending pretty badly over these last couple of weeks so they kind of like Beveren they've got some issues to sort out which made it 2-2 so now Beveren were going down and that's how it stayed until the 85th minute Beveren knowing that they had there was nothing else they could do they just had to make sure they were staying ahead and just kind of praying that Club Rouge would pull out a winner somewhere. And obviously it was Noah Lang who got the breakthrough for them. And then Baz Dost a couple of minutes later made it 4-2. So yeah, Muscolon at that point, they knew they weren't going to get the point they needed. All of their attention was solely on Leuven and they were praying that Leuven would find a breakthrough. However, despite having chances, it was actually Beveren who were kind of pushing for another goal and they just couldn't extend their lead. Rafa Romo made two fantastic 
like a fantastic double save to keep them in the game. They had a couple of chances on the counter-attack, but they just weren't clinical enough or didn't make the right decisions, didn't make the right pass. But they held on. Uh, they held on. They send Musclon down and they confirm their place in the relegation playoff. And you could just really see the relief on the players' faces in Beveren. Manager, Nicky Hamer's going mad, running onto the pitch. The staff were as well, like... They obviously knew what the Moose Gone result was. You could clearly tell that they were having someone tell them what was going on. I know quite a few teams don't like that. They like to just kind of focus on their game, but I don't think that was the case here. And yeah, it was just one of those classic kind of moments at the end of a long season where you see one side with joy on their faces, really, really happy with the result, and the other side of Moose Gone who were just completely and utterly downcast. But guys, what a, what a final... 90 minutes we had there. Scott, I'll hand it over to you for what were your thoughts on the games? What were your thoughts on kind of the final outcome? We did say it would go to the wire, didn't we? And um, it kind of went to those last five minutes, right enough. Wow. I mean, I I, I think it was only yesterday I'd kind of, you know, managed to settle down um, and get my head around it all. I I saw the, the, the Beveren game. I had most of my eyes on that. I say most because I actually had a two-screen setup going on. I was watching the Beveren game, but I had one eye on what was happening in, in Bruges at the same time. Um, Beveren, um, really mature performance, I thought. Really, really mature performance. I thought they played in a really composed manner. I don't I don't think they were rash. I think there was a there was a calmness about things. I don't know if they felt calm. That's that's <laughs> that's the that's the difference, isn't it? But it certainly looked to me as if there was a kind of calmness about them and that they were gonna play play the game and don't play the occasion. I'd like to think that was maybe what Nicky Hayen had said, something along those lines. Because I, I was surprised by that. I was I thought they would come kind of right out of the, the block straight away and they kind of didn't actually. They just, you know, they held on to the ball well and uh, they knocked it around and just waited for opportunities. Um, Verstrata, two brilliant goals, really, really good finishes, both of them. I'm really pleased for Beveren, actually, on a personal level, because I think they've they've been doing a lot of things right for a long time. We spoke about the mistakes, the individual mistakes last week, but a lot of good stuff going on as well. So to see, again, I alluded last week to the fact that I thought they were the better side of the two between them and Muscon. So to kind of see them have this one last chance now via the playoff and not have gone down automatically like Muscon have is, is, yeah, on a personal level, I'm pleased by that because I think in a footballing sense, I think that's the the right outcome here. The euphoria at the end was absolutely lovely. I saw there was a nice interview with Nicky Hayne today, actually, where he was talking about how they've not been able to kind of, they've not been using the word relief um, there was a euphoria, but they've they've obviously still got a, a job to do. They've got a two-legged playoff against Sarang coming up pretty soon now, first um, and eighth of May to prepare for. Muscron, I completely agree with you, Ben. I thought they played pretty well, and it, it's funny, isn't it? See when you know it's a a situation as dire and as desperate as that, then it 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 can go one of two ways. It can either free you up or it can suffocate you. And I feel it, it freed Muscron up. They did play a lot of the best football that they've played this season and you did feel like they were going for it. They certainly created more than they have done in almost every other game this season. And yeah, it's it's you feel for them a bit actually because I think the consequences of going down are far graver for them now than, than they would normally be for a number of reasons. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, wow, what 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 a weekend. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I did like watching that game from Muscon. I was really happy with the way they fought and they just tried... They didn't do what they did against Antwerp where they kind of came out and looked for the point. They came out and mm-hmm. tried to get three points. And I think that was really important. And I feel like Samal 
in hindsight, you probably think, oh, if only we'd done that again, Antwerp. And you'll think, like, as well, when you look at who they were missing, they didn't have De Costa, who's been arguably their best striker. But what Habari led the line fantastically. I think you could see in a player, like, I don't think Alinga necessarily had the best game. But I think I spoke about him last week about his passion for the club and you could kind of see it. I know he's already come out with some statements about how he's frustrated with some of the other players who've he's like the season's literally just finished and they've gone they've just like left the area they've left they've completely gone and he's just like what is where's the loyalty to the club that clearly there wasn't any of that there obviously I think you mentioned it earlier today that he's going to move on which is like understandable I'm sure he'll find like another club and stuff and we just don't know what the future is for that club but to see them fight in the way that they did and really take it to Club Bruges actually I think like my while I was watching when it was two all I was kind of thinking, how much did Club Bruges care <laughs> in terms of how much do they want to win this game? Because they don't need to win this game. Like, it's yeah. irrelevant to them if they draw or not. It's kind of like the integrity of competition, I guess, at the end of the day. So fair play to them for pushing for the winner. And I don't think that's ever going to be an issue for a side like them when you've got Captain Rude Vorma, who I feel like wants to win every single game. He wants to win every single minute of every single game. I think he is like... He is a competitive animal in the midfield. And I think he really does drive that team forward. Also, shout out to Kosanu for, I think it was the third goal, wasn't it? For the run that he went on. He beat like three or four players. He just, they'd been kind of like faffing around on the edge of the box, trying to like play the sidewall pass and like get the pass into the box. And he was just like, now I'm just going to take this. I'm just going to run, take a few players on, put it in a cross. And that was the goal. And yeah, the quality kind of shone in the end. I think we also said last week that you'd kind of, the league doesn't, table doesn't lie at the end of the season. And I think we've all agreed that Muscon have been the worst footballing sides by far this season. Like the way they started the season, they had that mini recovery where they kind of like, I wouldn't say lucked, but they just stay in games for long enough and then take that chance when it came. But there's only so long you can do that with the quality that they just don't have as a side. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. I think, you know, I was thinking about this today, actually, um, in relation to Muscon, and I think it's a case of, well, you know, what, what could have been for them if they'd just played with a little bit more bravery, even over the last three or four weeks of the season? I mean, that's easy for me to say against a side, you know, who's who's deep in a relegation battle there, you know, and all the confidence issues that kind of go with that and how that affects players' self-expression. But actually, like Antwerp last week, the second half, they were really quite good. They really gave Antwerp a, a game in the second half when they had a go at them. And here against Bruges, again, they, they did go for it. So that kind of shows that actually, you know, if they played in the front foot genuinely more often, then probably there were some more points there for the taking for them. But, you know, if you don't do it, then, you know, it's not going to happen. Conversely, Beveren arguably almost do the opposite sometimes in that their game management sometimes is just a, li- a little bit impe- impetuous. And funnily enough, during the, I was waiting for the, the, the stoppage time board to go up in Leuven while I was watching the game. And when I saw those five minutes going up, I thought this is going to be a nightmare for, for everybody for me watching and certainly for them playing and for that Beveren bench and I was actually screaming at the laptop at one point I was going just keep the ball keep the ball game management there was a couple of points but it was the ball was being launched back up towards the Leuven end you're thinking why why are you giving possession straight back it's funny what players do in these really desperate nervy moments and it's it's a case of opposites you know yeah yeah no absolutely I think kind of on that I think we've got to give a shout out as well to um Sivert Helton Nilsson usually a CDM like midfielder he was dropping into centre-back for this game because of suspensions and all that sort of stuff 
And I think he has, I think we spoke to the Nordic football podcast guys and they were like, yeah, he's a sneaky good player that you may not notice it, but he is a sneaky good player. Like he left Brad, he leaves Flan and they have like a terrible season. He was fantastic for Elsborg last season. They were like kind of praising him on that podcast. And they actually said, I think if um, I'm going to give them a little bit of a plug here on their bumper Swedish Alsvenskan preview episode. If you haven't listened to that, it's a two hours well worth listening to. I think it was Steve mentions that he's actually worried about Elsborg because of them losing a player like Helton Nilsson and like the balance he gives them. I just thought, yeah, he was fantastic. Footmob gave him an 8.1 rating. And I think we'll talk about it later. I do want to talk a little bit more about Musclon, kind of like the aftermath. And I want to look at their transfers. And I feel like... That's where the difference kind of lies between them staying up and going down. Getting someone like Nielsen in was fantastic. Obviously, Louis Strata again was like they've loaned him the season before Beveren did, and they've reloaned him this year, and he proved to be the difference again. Like two fantastic goals, and he's not a player that's known for scoring goals, so for him to come up with those at that time was absolutely fantastic. So yeah, if <laughs> if you are a betting man, maybe betting on a Mikatadze goal within the forty fifth to fiftieth minute range of each of the playoff games might be a. Uh, a good money bet not that we're going to encourage any of that sort of stuff you can do what you want but yeah we're not putting pressure on anyone to bet let's move on before i get dig myself an even deeper hole yes let's just move on to the other games that took place because there were plenty of other games thankfully no nil nils either this weekend which is yeah it's what we want to see going forward so friday uh, it's not friday it was saturday that we kicked off the weekends of football and urpen beat charlois 3-2 will be so glad to see the back of the 2020-21 season that's for sure genk somehow threw away a 2-1 lead in the very last minute to lose 3-2 to Antwerp. Um, I'm sure Joris doesn't want to talk about that too much. St. Truden, despite us all saying they were on their holidays, uh, only lost 1-0 to Anderlecht and it was a goal that they kind of caused themselves. One team that's definitely wanting to go on holiday, despite having all to play for in their game against Ghent is Odeval again because they got absolutely pummeled 7-2. Ironically, the two goals they scored were actually really, really good. Uh, a long-range strike from Bluno, who got his 20th of the season, and Plentix scored an absolute screamer which isn't bad for a centre-back. Standardly Age made their way into playoff two. They beat Beershot 3-0. Oostend and Circle of Blues drew one all. And then Courtrike ended their season with a 4-1 defeat to Mechelen. Joris, we kept you quiet during the first stage of this kind of roundup of matches. Let's go to you now for kind of your stats from these other games. Yeah, there, there are not that many this week. I've said that plenty already, but indeed, Charleroi will be happy because they won the six first games and then they haven't won six, game after, six games after anymore. So they had... They peaked a bit early and, uh, well, there were some consequences and uh, the fans were not happy, obviously, indeed, uh, in the weekend. But I'm sure we'll come back to that at some point in uh, later on. You also already mentioned it in your he- uh, here, like Sinterraden are just giving the goals away. They, the first goals of Genk last week, uh, both the first and the second, I believe, came from playing out from the back, gone bad. And now uh, Anrecht's goal as well. And not only that, like they also gave away a few more chances against Anrecht and because of that. So yeah, the, at least they didn't have to play for anything anymore. So they won't matter, mind too much. But I'm sure that Peter Maas was uh, not pleased about, about that. And then I'm actually already at my last stats. And uh, it's Zultuarichem's uh, last game uh, was last, last year, so last season. Of course, it was a season that ended a bit early, so we couldn't really know that, but it would be the last game. It was a 7-0 loss against Anderlecht. So this season, they only lost 2-7, so, well, there's just visible improvements. So that's why I <laughs> put the Inskyer squads as my team of the week this week. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen that, Joris sent us his team of the week um, to our little WhatsApp group, and it was just the entire Zoltavar again team. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> safe to say none of them made it into the final team of the week. My theory is they didn't. They couldn't be bothered for playoff two. They really couldn't. They were just like, oh, just have a nice little holiday. Not that you can go anywhere anyway. But that isn't in a game that they they could have really pushed to win and actually tried to win and get into playoff two to kind of succumb like that pretty abysmal so yeah let's just quickly have a roundup of what the playoffs are looking like now we are going to talk more about kind of playoffs and how this whole thing works next week because obviously we've only got one game coming up this sunday and it's a big game but there'll be plenty more space for us to talk through playoffs and all the implications of that so in the playoff one as we kind of talked about last week what we thought it would be it is bruges antwerp anderlecht and genk playoff two um this one's a strange one considering kind of the narratives of the season, how we've spoken about teams. So in playoff two, we have Oostend, um, unsurprisingly. Then we have Standard, Ghent and Mechelen. And I don't know how they got there, but they somehow all got there, as in Standard, Ghent and Mechelen, Oostend, fine. When you consider how well Beershot played at the beginning of the season, Leuven have been quite decent in the season as well. Sorsavall, again, were the most informed side up until a couple of weeks ago. But somehow Standard, Ghent and Mechelen make their way in and Bailie deserves a lot of credit, I think, for Standard getting in there. Um, really turned that around from the position they were in. Scott, you'll probably know more about how Mechelen made it than I do, because I have no idea how they got in there. I thought they were just pretty average this season. But Nicholas Storm got another two goals, so he's in fine form going into the playoffs. Yeah, before we move on to kind of like a roundup, what are your guys' kind of thoughts on mainly playoff two? We've spoken about playoff one, but yeah, what, how do how do you guys see it? Do you agree with me that it's kind of weird to see Standard Gent and Mechelen in there considering the season they've actually had? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's kind of bizarre. I mean, I th- the strangest one, I suppose, is the Mechelen one just because I don't think anybody expected that. I mean, we knew before the games at the weekend that there was an outside chance that they could still squeak in, but I don't think anybody anywhere thought that was actually going to happen. And the way results panned out, it did. I think the Zalta, the Zalta score... Sounds bizarre, but as Joris was just telling us, you know, Zulta have a history of, of, of collapses like this at the end of the season. My favourite bet about the Zulta game was the fact that they've obviously just laid a new pitch there. So playing in a decent pitch obviously doesn't, you know, lead to Zulta playing better. That's the connection <laughs> there. They saved, they saved their new pitch for absolute drubbing. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what more you can say about that. Yeah, I mean, I think... Standard to a certain extent of 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 saved their season. Um, that that makes it look like a, a a decent season, even if it is still disappointing. Again, I can't quite believe mm. after the season they've had that they've managed to squeak in there. And obviously, they could still walk away with um, Europa Conference League football if they if they win the playoff and they win that playoff game against whoever they might do if they get that far. Um, would be incredible, especially when you look back on their European campaign earlier in the season, which was beyond embarrassing, really. Awful. One of the worst European campaigns we had to put ourselves through, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I kind of agree with that. Again, yeah, we'll speak more about it next week and kind of like how it all works. We've got quite a bit of general news to go through. Uh, First off, just a signing that we've seen. So Mechelen have picked up uh, Janis van Hecker. Uh, He joins on a free, I believe it is, uh, at the end of this season from Zulta, which is ended now because Zulta's season has definitely ended now. 20 years old as well, so like another young player to add to their ranks. I think that'd be quite good. They're obviously use, losing ranks in the summer, so they need to kind of get some more midfielders in there. So yeah, I think we'll kind of see how that goes. It's quite an interesting one to move across 
between clubs in Belgium. But as we know, Zolta Valagema are actually financially quite badly, badly off. That's a terrible use of English. They're not doing very well financially. Speaking of teams that aren't doing very well financially, let's talk about Musclon, guys. I think we've spoken about the the on the pitch performance. We think they played quite well. I think we need to kind of have a little bit of a recap of their season in a way and be like kind of where did this, why has this happened? Where's it gone wrong? I kind of want to kick us off with transfers. I think their transfer business last summer was pretty dreadful. They, when you look at the season and you look at players that have kind of made an impact, not many have. Like Herve Coffee was fantastic at the beginning of the season, but he's just a lone player from Lille. Like that's one of the players they just kind of get given, I guess. I don't really count them as kind of like Musclon actually going out and trying to find these players and getting players in. So the players they did sign is Matthias Silvestre, 35-year-old defender from Livorno. They brought in Benny Baddy. Banger, he didn't really do much. He came in on a free transfer, so I guess there wasn't much paid out, but nothing really kind of came back. They obviously brought in Hamdi Habawi uh, in January, and he almost could have been a massive signing if his goal against Blues had led to them staying up. I think we'd kind of look back at that as like a masterstroke or something, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. Uh, Jadas came in on loan. I know, I remember Yoris, you were quite high on this one, but just hasn't really worked for them has it it's just he hasn't had the impact that you'd like him to have had Serge Tabakoy came in from Union Saint-Gerrois flashes of good but again didn't really help Nuno da Costa we've spoken about looked like he was going to be the difference maker for them he came in on loan from Nottingham Forest scored a couple of goals then gets himself suspended for the final game of the season like that's kind of frustrating <laughs> Christophe Laporte another 36 year old player that they signed this time from Courtlike actually thought he did well for them when he played but again he's at the back end of his career so it's never really gonna he's never gonna be a difference maker that's kind of what I wanted to highlight when we looked at them they brought in loads of other loan players from Lille loads of them didn't really play or like featured on and off I thought Jean Nana was all right as a loan player that they brought in in the midfield there's other players I'm literally looking at a list now and I'm like I can't remember you playing a game I can't remember what you've done where you even play <laughs> um <laughs> yeah guys i'll stop rambling kind of give me your takes on musclon off the pitch problems let's ignore like the financial stuff let's kind of just take it as like a recruitment policy and like oh they also bought in gunnery from uh star bucharest again as a striker i can't remember if he even scored a goal for them this season he scored two goals but again that's just not what the return you want when you bring in a striker, is it? But yeah, over to you guys. I'll stop ranting on. I think the the, the thing with Muscron is uh, lots of people will know that the, the, the fundamental issues with the club are not new. So the situation they, they, they were in before the weekend and the one that they're they're in now isn't isn't new to them. You know, they they are a club who both on and off the pitch have, have been mismanaged you know consistently for a number of years now I think that's the main thing to kind of take away from it I think Ben highlighting how poor the recruitment has been generally is very very important actually because they're not they've not been building anything kind of constructive over the last couple of years that's for sure so they're a club who've been at best standing still and at worst kind of going going backwards and I I think it's a I think it's a bit of both I think I think the coaching um, inside the club hasn't been working I don't think the Players have been responding. I think that's a problem, obviously, when you're in that situation. And um, I was reading something today as well that was talking about, just to touch on the finances very, very briefly, where the club were actually offered uh, two to three million euros by somebody on a kind of short time basis to kind of help them get through a period, a difficult patch. 
much and the, the, the board of directors weren't interested in that investment. Now, that to me seems bizarre, albeit it's a loan. That's just a, bit, a very strange way of, of, of operating when you're a club who are who are in desperate need of, of, of some money. So I think the, there are so many questions and maybe the answers are the same as they've they've, they've always been. The, the situation they've got at the moment, obviously, is now that they've been relegated, the chances of new ownership diminish greatly because they're a less attractive prospect. And a lot of the, the loan players that were of OK quality have now gone out the front door and won't be coming back because there's there's no cash in the bank and no prospect of, of negotiating a return. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's dire, dire. Mm. Speaking of the ownership uh, issues, that's like quite concerning that they won't take that loan. In the while we've been recording, according to Actu XL Musclon, who is an XL uh, Musclon fan on Twitter, um, so they're pretty clued up on everything that's going on. Uh, Olivia Baldry from the club has said that he's found through his friend Rudy Marshall, an Emirati investor who is ready to take over the club. Take that with a pinch of salt, because we have no way of like verifying that or knowing if that's true. It's like my mate knows a mate who's got a bit of money. Um, sort of thing <laughs> but I mean if it is true that would be great for them just to continue to exist they can go back down to 1B they can kind of reset everything because that's what they need to do they need a reset they've broken away from Lille now I think that's going to be good for them in terms of like right let's focus on ourselves for a bit let's get ourselves in a good position as a club let's get some young players in let's get some players in that want to be here I think Alinga I was telling you guys earlier he came out with a statement of saying like as soon as the kind of like it felt like with the scene the final whistle left and uh, the final whistle went everyone kind of left the club and he was like well this is bizarre like we're still under contract here we still gotta kind of show up and stuff and i think for players like him it must be quite hard because he's been there for what five six years now like been like a part of that team that club that kind of the makeup of the club for like ages and in football like five six seasons at one club is a pretty long time so yeah i really do feel for their fans i think that must it's just been like you said scott this isn't like come out of nowhere it's just that makes it even more frustrating i think is that it's been a long time coming and it's been like there have been chances to stop this along the way like even the league like in a sense like when these guys apply for their licensing they've been kind of accepted before and it's been a bit dodgy and everyone's been a bit like that's not right like how have they passed that considering everything that's going on there so yeah yours i want to get your take on this as well what's kind of your thoughts on muscron going down muscron in the future like is there a future for them all that sort of stuff well you guys actually said a lot of things already i just want to say one thing for sure that uh Sadas really did not show up this season and like yeah he really <laughs> Did not earn my trust anymore. <laughs> Doesn't do that anymore. I fear his career. It, it's, yeah, it was already going on in a downward spiral and this will not have helped. And then for the rest, uh, for the future of the club, well, as you mentioned, there's not that much selling value. Maybe Sirani, he had quite a decent season and is a player under contract with them until next year. So it won't be big money, but maybe they can get a, get a, some money off from for him. Because I think he kind of, well, he's, he's proven he's, he's a player for in 1A, uh, in my opinion. But apart from that, yeah, indeed, there, there is not that much um, for the future of the club. Well, it all depends if they will find an investor. Obviously, it does look dim anyway. Yeah, I, th I think I think the one thing worth highlighting here actually is, you know, you're just talking about how dim it is. The issue really actually is, although they've been refused a license and are now relegated, in theory, at the moment, 
um, they're going to be going to the Belgian Court of Arbitration for Sport to appeal and hopefully get their license. So the best case scenario is they get a license and are able to um, start again in some form in, in 1B. But they need, if an investor comes along, this all needs to be done very quickly in quite mm. a short time frame as well, mm. because all of that paperwork would have to be agreed and legally prepared and submitted and, and signed off by by a cutoff date, probably of, of July at some point in time uh, for the new season. So even if somebody does come along, and this is the really worrying bit, there's no guarantee there's going to be enough time to, to get everything signed off in place for the start of a, of a new season. So... Yeah, who knows? Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's worrying times. It's definitely is worrying times for them. And fingers crossed they can get an investor in. But again, like you said, Scott, like the quick turnaround actually makes me even more nervous about the type of investor that comes in because then you're actually yeah. you're potentially trying to then like fast track this through and like are you doing gonna do all the checks and balances and like kind of background research into this investor to make sure that they are who they say they are. Cause you've seen it like it we've seen it in English football like I've seen it at my own club Reading we had a Russian guy come in using daddy's money but he never had any of his own money and his dad never gave him any money so we spent all this money that we thought he had but he never had it and it set the club back years like trying to reset and like pay off debts and stuff like that so I think you have to be really careful with looking for investors and making sure that they're going to be the right person like yeah I don't know I I'm very skeptical that they'll be in 1b next season I really don't think it's going to happen I think if they can reform and go down into the amateur leagues, maybe go into the league below, uh, into the like first amateur division, maybe that's an option. But it's going to look like a completely different team anyway. Like this squad is going to be well, the amount of players that will leave were on like short term deals. The manager was on a one year contract anyway. Like it was very much set up with a we need to survive this season and kind of hope. Like I'm pretty sure if they'd stayed up or at least got into the playoff and then stayed up, there'd be like the chance of investment would be so much higher. Whereas Beveren didn't really have that problem for them. It was just a case of like the project gets put back a couple of seasons. Like we've spoken to Antoine there who works at the like top level of the club and like kind of the vibe we were getting from them was that like they've got like a plan and a project going forward. Relegation wasn't going to like stop that project in its tracks. It was just going to set it back. Where the moves gone like relegation threatens the entire existence of the club so yeah sad times for Musclon. another person feeling sorry for themselves today is Balotine from Shalawa the manager he is agreed to leave by mutual consent and I don't think anyone's surprised by that given the way they completely kind of fell apart at the back end of this season like Joris was saying earlier like they started the season really well and then it's just been completely and utterly terrible unforgivable I think, given the squad they have. But again, a side that made some weird transfer decisions. You might all forget, you guys might have forgotten as well, that John Flanagan was actually part of this team at one point this season. I think that kind of (laughs) sums up the bizarreness of this season. (laughs) Um, At one point, they had John Flanagan on the books. But yeah, what do you guys kind of think? I haven't seen any names being like touted or anything like that. Have you seen any names going forward? What do you kind of think Charleroi should look to do? Do they need to look for like an attacking coach? something like that or do they kind of just need to reset the squad like what are you guys kind of thoughts on Charleroi in this off season so well actually from Charleroi's side I didn't hear hear much 
I just read something that uh, Hein van Azenbroek would want Belosin, so the other side, uh, as his assistant. But of course, the question will be then, will he yeah, want to go back to an assistant job now he has tasted the, the actual managerial role himself? That So that's one rumor I have, but not from the side you expected. For Charleroi, well, yeah, I guess they, they've done so much business and probably somehow yeah i guess their 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 squad is too big and that my uh, the the atmosphere there probably was a bit ruined by some of these players wanting to play more or something like that that's well that's speculation of my side but yeah i i think that's probably what happened i don't know how many of these players will stay at charleroi after this season so that might be an issue that if that's an issue that might be resolved um by itself quickly and well, yeah, they should indeed hire a new trainer. Like, I, I don't, I honestly have no idea at this moment uh, in time uh, who they will want to go for. Time will tell. Time will mm. tell. I, I um, I wasn't terribly surprised by this when the news came through about this today, actually, because I, I've just had a feeling for a few months that things haven't really been right there. I mean, it's been obvious from how they've been playing, but it's been very clear that Kareem Bellasine's not been able to really get the best out of that squad anymore. The first couple of the months of the season, they were absolutely flying and playing some exhilarating football, so much so that, you know, the the, the standing joke of me tipping them for the title, you know, <laughs> which I will never be allowed to forget, nope. probably rightly so. That's, that's, how, that's how good they were in the first mm. couple of months. But, you know, since, since that drop-off, they've just never got back to even anything close to like what they were playing like and I think when you look at it from a slightly analytical point of view and you you delve into that squad that's a very strong squad I think Mm. it's a squad with some quality in it there's depth there in most positions and the manager's not been able to get the the best out of them and there's there's been nowhere near a recovery so I've kind of felt personally and I know I've said this to you guys privately in some of our chats it's the first time I've said this publicly on on, on the BFP but I, I kind of just felt instinctively that the club needed to make a change and I think that's what they've done here and I don't think there's anything more sinister behind it other than yeah. they feel they need to make a change now um, whether they have somebody in mind already I don't know perhaps they do well i'm sure we'll find out soon enough maybe there'll be somebody in by next week um we don't know what we'll, we'll find out but yeah i'm not surprised and I, I think the change needed to come just because the there was no no indication that the their performances were acceptable i think is probably the right word to use yeah no definitely i think going back to that kind of what you said about players leaving and stuff i wouldn't be surprised i think we've spoken about it i'm sure i think what load of waffles spoken about it i think the doctor's spoken about it. i think everyone's spoken about how they need a new goalkeeper poor nicola mm. penatel he's 40 years old now it's kind of like it's time to move on for sure and usually yeah, you look at some of the transfers i spoke about john flanagan kind of as a jokey one they brought in lukas Ciordzic, the polish center forward hasn't really had an impact at all they brought in jordan bataka uh, on loan from ghent he couldn't really get into the ghent team hasn't really been able to do it for Charleroi either like a bit of a utility player kind of found himself in loads of different positions Kava Rezai hasn't been able to get on the pitch enough so Shamar Nicholson's been kind of leaning the line Saida Berahino's been injured a bit of Covid in and out of the squad yeah there's players there that I think teams would be interested in for sure I think Ali Golizadze is one that I think lots of teams should be interested in I think he's a really, really decent player. And he's only 25, so he's kind of in a good age as well. I really like Marco Ilemaitra. Um, easy for everyone to say. I'm not sure whether he'd be interesting in, a, interesting 
for other teams necessarily, but again, a good young player that's there. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, where they go. At the moment, I'm not sure, I haven't seen, but according to Transfer Mark, the like, assistant manager is Samba Diawara, French-born Mali citizenship, 43-year-old. He's been the assistant manager. He's done some like talent management role with the Union Saint-Gilloire. He was also manager of the under-21s for a little bit. So they may look to go internally, but I think with the squad they have, they should maybe look for someone that can really, really kind of put the squad together, gel the squad, kind of thin it down a bit, and then, yeah, really have another crack at pushing into the European places because that's where they should be uh, in all honesty isn't it after the season before this one they were pushing up there so yeah another one to kind of wait and see yeah I kind of added this last segment in to it I apologize to Scott and yours for making them have to talk about this on here but I feel like we can't really ignore the elephant in the room which is the Super League we have spoken about (laughs) (laughs) we've spoken about the better league before and it kind of tied into like our idea that if the Super League happened, it's more likely that the Benelega will happen. So that's kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to talk too much about the Benelega. I do just want to talk about kind of our initial thoughts on what the Super League could mean for Belgian football. I've got my own opinions, but Scott, I'm going to hand over to you first just to kind of give your opinion on it. No need to be like factual or basis on any sort of stats or anything. I think it's just kind of like a raw kind of emotive response to kind of like, okay, this is happening. We don't really know much about it, but off the bat, this is what I think could be potentially good for Belgian football or potentially bad for Belgian football because it will affect it in some way. I think this has, to give you a really short answer, not a single redeeming feature going for it whatsoever and is the the beverage equivalent of a great big turd dropping into your drink. (laughs) Yes. No, I think that's true. Um, although I have just <laughs> seen recover that... from that. No, right, you caught, you caught me off guard there. I have just seen apparently Chelsea are pulling out, so this may be completely defunct by the time we put this out for recording. We had rumours of that today, actually. Yeah, there was rumbling that that was coming, but nothing had come out officially from Chelsea. So um, people were were watching that. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, there have been rumours about plenty of clubs all the italian clubs as well i believe and so on so monumental waste of time i guess kind of my my little opinions on it were that if they do go sorry to the fans of these clubs but i'm kind of like good riddance take your money and your whatevers and just go play your own little league somewhere it opens up more opportunities for other teams let's rebalance the champions league out a little bit more get some other teams in there england won't need four spots or whatever stupid amount it has you can spread that out a bit and then maybe we'll see some like old school classic games and fixtures and we'll get like some Benaliga fixtures just in the Champions League instead with like Ajax and Bruges playing against each other and stuff like that Ooh. that's kind of like my instant response to it was like let's just if they don't want to be part of football as it is now let's just get rid of them and let's all go and enjoy it let's give other chances to Belgian teams in the Champions League and in Europe and kind of level the playing field out a little bit more because the money will dry up a little bit and there'll be obviously this we're still going to get picked apart by some of these clubs but the playing field would get better and maybe that gives Belgian clubs a better chance in Europe but yeah it's a load of nonsense I think we all agree about that and I'm just happy that when it was all being announced we had this fantastic relegation battle which kind of reminded us what football's really about didn't it seeing uh, the Beveren players celebrating making it into a relegation playoff like that's football isn't it that's what we want to see we want to see team celebrating winning titles we've got a cup final coming up on Sunday which me and Scott are definitely looking forward to Yoris is incredibly apprehensive about which is completely understandable 
but he may be celebrating at the end of it. Joris, I haven't. I'm probably. I'm, I'm still probably looking forward to, um, more than anyone of yeah. in this. No. <laughs> but how I will feel afterwards? That's well, as always, the question, of course. But uh, yeah, Joris, Joris might yeah. need to be off next week. You're, you're... <laughs> I, I took a day off on Monday because of the horrible timing. Actually, yeah, it's a late one on Sunday evening. We won't talk about it too much now. We've um, actually got a nice little cup final preview dropping for you guys at some point this week uh, obviously before the cup final we got some special guests in uh, we got Mario Bronkertz who's president of the official Standard Liège Supporters Association he's offered us some tickets for standard games which Joris has politely declined uh, me and Scott on the other hand are more than happy to take him up on that offer at some point um, we've also got Lawrence uh, Grossard from Genk, uh, the Genk fan podcast Terry Talks who've also done a fantastic interview with uh, Mackenzie the United States central defender that plays for Genk so definitely check that episode out really really fantastic stuff from them i'm really looking forward to the cup final i can't wait for it it's also on my birthday so it's perfect way to celebrate turning the old 27 but also yeah we usually do like a games we're looking forward to this weekend but as there aren't any games it is just the cup final we're going to skip that bit out we'd really appreciate it actually next week obviously because we've got the cup final coming up on sunday we'll dive into that and then we'll talk a bit about the playoffs but any questions you guys have about how the season's gone and all that sort of stuff definitely get them in for next week because it's going to we're going to have like quite a lot of time and space to talk about things that have happened in the league and it'd be great to kind of get even if they're not just questions you can kind of give us your opinions on how the league's gone like anything like that or kind of predictions for the playoffs all that sort of stuff we'd love to kind of have next week's episode a little bit more interactive with a little bit more questions from all of our listeners guys if that's it i think that's all we have time for this week thanks as always for joining me it's a pleasure having you on this podcast thanks for having me thanks for having me too and let's hope the weather stays like it is right now (laughs) yeah yeah it's the weather's getting better we're getting into the summer months we've got the playoffs and the cup final coming up lots to look forward to as always a special thanks to joseph mcdade for our intro and outro music and another special thanks to freelance football ops who we partner with if you don't know about freelance football ops they've got a subscription-based newsletter in which they find jobs covering writing design video audio and generally anything in the football media every week you can find them on social media to search for freelance football ops or you can just visit www.freelancefootballops.com Yeah, as we said, we'll be back again next week with another episode. But in the meantime, if you do enjoy listening to us, please do give us a review if you are listening on a platform that allows you to give a review as well as a rating. If it's a bad review and a bad rating, don't bother. You can just email us instead, um, belgianfootpodcast.gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at at Belgian Podcast. Individually, you can also find us. I'm at BenJack94. Scott's at Scott underscore coin and Joris is at Joris underscore Beck. Once again, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you again soon on a special episode of the Belgian Football Podcast coming up this week.